I've been programmed to believe this concept that we hear so much through our lives that go to college, get a job, get promoted, get married, have kids, buy a house. And I was starting to check off boxes and every box I checked off, I was more and more miserable. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. On this week's episode, I'm really excited to speak with Sarah Funky, who is a travel YouTuber and founder of SarahFunky.com, a site that shares unique travel experiences. Sarah has always loved exploring since she was a little girl, and after living in New York City and working for Disney, doing North American marketing strategy for five years, she decided it was time to pursue her own dreams. So she left her dream job to travel the world for a year, and today, Sarah has been able to make her dreams come true as an on-air personality and a YouTube travel sensation. Listen on to find out how to become a successful travel YouTuber with Sarah. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be doing this interview with Sarah. Hey Sarah, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you here. So before we get to a lot of your tips and tricks on how to be a digital nomad, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Sure. So I originally was working in a corporate job. I worked for Disney doing North American marketing strategy, and I thought it was my dream job. It was something that I always worked towards in college. I got my master's degree thanks to Disney. And I quickly realized that I was achieving the things that I was always told were what would bring happiness, you know, getting that dream job, uh, getting your master's degree, living in a penthouse apartment in New York. And I, I had all of those things and I hated my life so much. I was, I was just so depressed. And I realized it was because I felt like I was in an office jail, seriously, like working in a cubicle every single day in the same place, only having 10 vacation days. So I realized every weekend I was, uh, every, every weekend I was, li- I was literally living for the weekend. And that is no way to live because the weekend's only a small portion of your life. So I started um, a website, uh, which I still run net today. It's called sarahfunky.com. And um, my goal was to have something that people in my situation could use to uh, experience new things, try fascinating do different things around New York, experience more without having to quit their office job. Uh, because it, at the time, it just wasn't an option for me. I had to make money. I couldn't just quit and be like, screw this. I'm just going to start this blog and be successful because that never happens overnight. So I started just the blog talking about, oh, this is a really cool experience. You have to go to this theater show. This restaurant's awesome. Did you know you could kayak on the Hudson River? Like, doing just interesting stuff. And I started to grow a little bit of a following from that. It was small, but eventually I got to like 20,000 Instagram followers. This was back like in 2015, by the way. And I was making a little bit of money, (laughs) emphasis on the little bit. I think I was making like (laughs) 
$1,000 a month, that's it. And that's not enough to survive <laughs> anywhere, really. And so I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, it's now or never. I, I think I was 26 years old at the time. And I decided, you know, let me quit my job now and see if I can, I can make it on my own. And so it kind of built from there. So I, I know we're going to go into a lot more details <laughs> later on, but that's kind of like my background and why I started this because of a hate for just working in the office and wanting to be a digital nomad. And eventually when I did quit, I traveled the world for a whole year and lived in a different country each month. And so I learned a lot about being a digital nomad then and trying to start a business while traveling. That is pretty much a lot of what people's goals are, right? We... Get into a job that we think we should have. We go to school, we get a job, we realize we really hate it. (laughs) And then we always try to find some way to get out of it. And it's so crazy how that's how most people's lives are instead of just maybe taking some time to really figure out what you want and experiment. I mean, it's so weird that now we actually leave that grind to really figure out who we are as people and to really figure out what we want with our life. Before you did that, Sarah, I know it must have been really a hard decision for you because like you said, you thought it was your dream job working for Disney and doing marketing. How did you get yourself to that point where you finally said, I'm leaving? What was that breaking point for you? Well, I was trying to get a promotion and or a raise because Disney pays horribly <laughs> in case you guys, a lot of people don't think that's true. Just look at any of the lawsuits in the paper today about Disney employees living out of their cars. I'm serious. It's alarming. And I was trying so hard to get a raise or a promotion and my bosses would not give it to me. And I realized one day, I don't want to be my boss. So why am I trying to get a promotion? It's like I've been programmed to believe this concept that we hear so much through our lives that, you know, go to college, get a job, get promoted, get married, have kids, buy a house. And I was starting to check off boxes and every box I checked off, I was more and more miserable. So I decided that this checking off boxes lifestyle that I was trained to believe all of my life, it's not bringing me happiness. So what is bringing me happiness? And I do this thing every night before I go to sleep. I write the best part of the day, the worst part of the day, a new experience and something I learned. And I realized over and over and over again that When I have new experiences and when I travel, that was when I was most happy. So I decided, well, how can I get paid to do those things? (laughs) You know, how can I get paid to travel and, and do new experiences? So I started thinking about ways to build a business around that model. And I finally just bought a one way ticket to Buenos Aires. And uh, told my bosses that I quit and they could not believe their ears (laughs) because no one quits Disney. That's what they believe. No one would ever quit a company like Disney that everyone wants to work in. I mean, an HR person one day when I was trying to get a raise told me, you know, people would do this for free. 
So that's really horrible that they said that, obviously, but it's just an unknown concept to that corporate culture. Yeah, bought that one-way ticket to Buenos Aires, quit my job, and started traveling and living in a different country each month. And uh, learned a lot about about that in that process. It's definitely feeling unappreciated with all the work that you are doing. And why not just go off on your own and try this, right? I mean, it's not like you're making the money that you want. It's not like you're doing the job that you want to do, the life that you want to be in. Now, Sarah, how much money did you actually save before you set off to travel for a year? And how were you able to budget it to make it last for you? Sure. So I saved, I think I saved $15,000. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It was, I'm pretty sure I saved fifteen thousand. It was definitely between ten thousand and fifteen thousand. There's a website called NomadList.com, which uh, is like a database almost of reviews of different cities around the world that nomads score on various points, and they're all different types of points. It's like cost of living female-friendly, gay-friendly, fun level, safety level. Like they have all of these different classifications. And so I went through that site and I had three factors that were most important to me. I had to have a high fun score, a high safety score, and good Wi-Fi. Because I knew that if I there wasn't good Wi-Fi, it was impossible for me to create a business that could survive online. And I, I also factored in the price point. So I looked at that site and I chose places that were, that the rent would be no more than $1,000 a month. My husband also traveled with me. That's an important thing that I need to say because some people might be doing this by themselves. So we were able to split that rent, but there are ways to do this without have, traveling with a partner. So based off of those three factors, that's what I kind of chose each location from. And then after that, after I had places that were in a price range based on nomad list that I could afford and had safety, good Wi-Fi and a high fun level, according to nomad list, then I just selected, I had a list of like 25, I think it was like 30 countries that fit that description and then I just started doing logistics wise of, of what made the most sense traveling across the globe. And the reason I did that was because the flight cost is the, is one of the most expensive costs. So if I could, if I could make sure each location was somewhat close, but I'm going in the right direct, like in one direction, then I would be able to reduce the cost of my flights tremendously. And so that's what I did. We did three months in South America five months in Europe, and then the remainder of the time in in Asia and Southeast Asia. I really wanted to do Australia and New Zealand, but it was so expensive that I could not include that given the money I had saved and the fact that I had just started a business that was online and trying to find, you know, clients. That's really so important is when you first start a business, you have no clients. And when you have several years into it, you have clients that you can go to and they know you and they trust you and you can get repeat business. But 
having no clients at all, I, I was starting from scratch, you know, and, and so I had to make sure that the locations I chose were cost effective, close together. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't go broke in the process. I would be able to survive off of my savings and the around $1,000 a month that I was making, you know, like it wasn't much, but I, I made yeah. it all the way to the end. And when I came, when I came back to the United States in January, I only had $300 in my bank oh account. My and it God. was, yeah, it was not, it was not ideal. I was really nervous about that because I knew that if, if I didn't make it work, I would have to go back to corporate. And so I came back in 2018 and that's when wow. the big change happened for me. Sarah, when you came back and you had that $300 in your pocket, that's kind of like the what now moment, right? You left your job. Yeah. I know there's a lot of things on social media online where people tell you, you can leave your job, you can travel the world. But then you come back home after all of that and you only have a few hundred dollars in your pocket. Mm -hmm. That what now moment ha like happened to you, I'm sure. And it happens to a lot of people. And that's when we all start panicking. It's like do or die. You either make this work or you have to go back to the job that you hate. Exactly. Exactly. What was that process like? What was your mentality like? And how did you actually make that work after your what now moment? <laughs> well, it was really scary, but I was so motivated to not have to go back to a corporate job that I really would do anything, anything to make this business work. I moved back in with my parents, like a real cool 28-year-old. <laughs> Nothing cooler than moving back with your parents at 28 uh, after having a full career at Disney and getting your master's degree. Uh, but I was determined to not go back to the corporate world. And I, at the time, so my business in 2017, so I traveled the whole year of 2017. And, and that's that that business model was i mean it's hard to even say the word business when i think back to it but it was all i had it was instagram which is a platform that is only monetizable if you have a large following and if you have good engagement and instagram made some big changes with their algorithm in that year and i was going from growing 5000 followers a month to maybe a hundred a month mm. and getting terrible engagement. And so what I had once relied on to be my main income in 2017 now was practically useless. And I had done a lot of research on different ways that you can make money as a blogger. And I knew that, you know, ad revenue was one. I knew that affiliate revenue, sponsorship revenue, those were the main ways if you're not selling a product or a service. And so I, I focused on those to start. And I, I would pitch as many brands as I could on sponsorships. Unfortunately, all I really had was Instagram, which you know has a cap on it. For reference, for every 10,000 followers you have on Instagram, you can charge $100 for a sponsored post. So I had 30,000, so I could only, I could charge $300 for a sponsored post, but that was really it. So I was lucky if I was making 
$1,500 a month off of that. And I, I, I learned that YouTube was a much more monetizable platform, but less people actually consider going into it because of the high barriers to entry. You have to know how to use a video camera. You have to know how to edit. You have to be comfortable being in front of the camera. You have to know how to tell a story that's engaging and will keep your viewers intrigued. And so all of these things, to me, actually weren't scary. They were exciting because in high school, I always made stupid little videos with my friends. (laughs) And so for me, I always loved video. And that was really what I was more interested in than Instagram photos because I was getting very uninspired with that boring shot of a girl looking into the sunset with a full (laughs) dress. I'm like, if I see one more of those photos, my eyes are going to bleed out of my head. (laughs) Like, oh my God. And so I had, I had a moment when I was in Prague, this was in uh, June, 2017, where I had never been interested in going to Prague. I went there because my husband loves beer and it's a beer capital. But my friend told me about this guy on YouTube called The Honest Guide, and he made video guides to Prague. And so I started watching them, and I became obsessed. I must have binge watched (laughs) 20 videos of his. I mean, he did like best things to do in Prague, Prague's worst tourist traps, uh, things you should know, all different types of things just to prepare visitors for visiting Prague. And I remember thinking, why doesn't anyone do this for New York City? Because New York City has more visitors than Prague. And I feel like it would be very successful because there's so much, there's so many tourist traps that I saw working at Disney and Times Square. And I would always be like wanting to run up to people and just say like, no, don't take a picture with that Elmo. He's going to charge you $15. I know that Elmo. You're so right. Or the Spider-Man. Oh oh my God. They're the worst. (laughs) Yeah. So I decided back in June 2017 that when I got back to New York in January of 2018, I was going to try to do that because there was no one doing it. And I felt that it would be helpful for people. So with the $300 I had left in my bank account, I uh, went on Upwork because I can edit, but I by no means am a professional editor. And I wanted these videos to be excellent. I wanted them to be binge worthy, which is something people need to focus on when they're doing YouTube, because if it's not binge worthy, people are going to watch one video, never subscribe and never see Mm -hmm. you again. Mm -hmm. And so I hired this editor from Mexico. He only was charging $93 a video at it, which was crazy. And I hired him for three videos to edit these three videos that I went around New York in January of 2018. And I filmed um, New York's worst tourist traps, 16 things you should know before visiting New York and secret spots of New York City. I filmed those videos, sent him the files put together kind of like, this is how I want you to edit this because I didn't really know how to do graphics and all and transitions and stuff like that. I selected the music. uh, I, I wrote the script and everything. And 
He edited them. I posted them. And those three videos completely changed my life. Really? Wow. Yeah. Together, I think they probably have like 3 million views now. That's amazing. Yeah. And that skyrocketed the success for me as a content creator. And it all came down to finding a need in the market and essentially being inspired by my travels on what people really look for when they're traveling. I learned a lot when I was traveling about what people need, what people want in a destination and how to make their lives easier. And so I used that knowledge and I was inspired by this guy in Prague. So I took it back to New York and I started making a series and I committed to it. Consistency is so important when you're when you're starting something as a content creator, you can't just put out one video and then six months later, put out the next video. It has to be consistent. So from the start, I said every Thursday, New York city and travel videos every single Thursday. And so I didn't miss a single Thursday until last (laughs) month because, and that's a whole separate thing. (laughs) Uh, A whole separate business uh, venture, but yeah, because of the success of my, my New York videos and my travel videos, I now offer tours of New York, which, wow, which have been selling out. I mean, I'm able to charge premium prices because people only want me as a tour guide, which is amazing. And I get to meet all of my viewers. It's so cool. It's so crazy, Sarah, that all of this changed your life from that moment. And it gives you all of these different ideas and it changed pretty much everything. And now this is your business. You know, it's totally turned your life around. And I'm really excited to also talk to you for our extended interview because you're going to tell us how to create a successful YouTube channel that people can actually monetize. And that's the thing that people have a hard time in doing is I think most people just get into it. They don't have a niche. They're kind of just grasping for something and you really focused on something. So that's going to be really exciting to talk about. Yeah. So now, Sarah, when you were going through all of this, especially in your first year of your business, when you didn't find YouTube yet, I'm sure there was a lot of setbacks along the way and you only had $300 in your pocket until that (laughs) moment. But what about now, now that you have the successful business, what is your setback right now or what is a problem that you are currently having as an entrepreneur that you are still struggling with? I just have so much to do. It. I mean, right now I'm working like 12 to 16 hours a day, which is not ideal for anything. It's just, I have so many things to do. I really need to hire someone. I just don't even know where to start with that. I have I mean, I have an editor now and I have a videographer, which saves me a lot of time in the filming process, but I really probably need to be hiring someone to help me manage the tours because the tours have become their own business in themselves. And I think what I've realized is tours are not scalable. So I, there's only one of me and I really need to make something that's scalable. So I've been thinking about different things I could do that people can buy that is scalable. Because when I'm on a tour, all of my attention is there. That's it, you know? And that's why that's why I'm able to 
charge the premium prices because like you have my full attention for three hours and we're like hanging out, you know, I don't know any other YouTube YouTubers that do that, but it is really cool. Cause I learn a lot from the people I meet, like how, why they watch my videos and what they liked and what was helpful. And so I'm able to do more of that. But at this point, it's just, it's taking up so much time. I could just do this only, but I don't want to be just a tour guide. I, my goal was always to be a travel show host. Yeah. And so I need to, I need to find a, something that's more scalable because once my attention's taken on the tours, like that's it, it's you know, done. That's, <laughs> Right. You know, you know, so that's really what I'm struggling with now is trying to balance the tours and then, you know, making videos and doing all the normal influencer things like sponsored posts and writing blogs and all of that. It's very, very time consuming. It's it's like two jobs, really. There's only one you and you're getting pushed in so many different directions and it's hard. And I think that that's really important to understand and realize that you have only a limited amount of time. And I think people underestimate that, especially when they look at you doing all of these awesome things, but you're also an entrepreneur and you really have such a little amount of time to spend on so many different things, which is ridiculous. (laughs) So now Sarah, let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Well, you know, I always said I wanted to be the female Anthony Bourdain, but now that's a little bit awkward. Um, But I I would really like to, I would like to just inspire people to try new things. That was always my goal from the start. My tagline is experience more. And so I really believe that by getting out of your comfort zone and trying new things and just like, if you don't, if you're not going to try to do achieve your dreams now, then when are you going to do it? And so my goal was always, my goal has always been to kind of inspire others to get outside their comfort zone, travel to that new place, try that new thing. And you know what? They might love it. They might hate it, but at least they tried. And at least they know there's no reason to be so concerned. I think so many people are so worried about what other people think that it it really prevents them from doing anything. Yeah, you're right. And the thing is, you're one of those people that you are a risk taker. And I always say that if you want what you want out of life, you have to take a little risk. And look at you, you traveled for a whole year with your husband, you came back with $300 in your pocket, and you made it fine. (laughs) You you can do it, you know, especially if you're living in the United States, like you can do pretty much anything you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's true. all possible. And I realized that. And I think traveling opened my eyes to that because I saw so many poor places and the people are so happy. So I realized that worst case scenario and this fails, uh, I'll be poor. And you know what? They're they're like living their best life. They're having a great time. I think that American culture really focuses on materialism and that is not what brings happiness. Well, that's not what brings me happiness. I'm sure some people it does, but 
most places don't have the resources that we have. And I knew that when I got back from traveling and I was like, well, if this fails, oh, well, like, (laughs) you know, all these people I met don't have anything and they're having a great time in life. Yeah. And also for me, it helped because my husband, he's Guatemalan Mm. and he grew up with nothing. His story is crazy. I mean, it's like, way better than mine. To be <laughs> we'll honest. interview him on the podcast I mean, he, as well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's not about business in any way. It's about like a survival. But his, his family, essentially, they came here from Guatemala. Originally, it was like the, to, I mean, they're legal now, guys. <laughs> but originally, it was the illegal way. And just hearing his story of like, being a six-year-old child having to pretend to like have a fake family and being like put through tunnels and and having a dirt floor and growing up with nothing you know and he's like he really keeps me grounded in that way because I was I definitely grew up I wouldn't say like super privileged like we were upper middle class but you know when I needed a new computer my parents could buy it whereas Louie didn't even have a bed he had to write to that you know that like Santa thing that your kids yeah, can write to? Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of us are very sheltered in the United States, especially if you grow up here. That's why it's always good to travel and really yeah. understand how other people live. Yeah. So now, Sarah, what are you working on today that is really exciting for you? So I have my tours. I launched my tours in April and that's been going so well and I love doing it. I just need to find a way to better manage tour life and also blogger life. But it's, it is really exciting. I, I do one group tour a week, which is my Friday Secret of New York tour. And that one's ticketed. So that one, um, I bring my viewers through secret spots and show them hidden gems and tell fascinating true stories of um, the lower Manhattan area. And I'll bring them through like secret passageways. And we see where the largest concentration of gold in human history is kept and some really cool, cool stories in that. And I do that one every single Friday. And then I also offer private tours, which I normally end up doing two to three times a week. And those are just for my viewers that want a more custom experience. So those are completely customized. I mean, I've done everything from nightlife tours to food tours to history, music, art, general areas like Greenwich Village and Brooklyn and things like that. That's really that's really fun for me now. And uh, I'm having a great time doing it. I don't know how long I'm going to do it because I was never, uh, being a tour guide was never a goal of mine. It just kind of happened because people kept requesting it through my YouTube channel. And I was thinking, huh, you know, people keep asking for these tours. Maybe I could actually make some money off of this. And so it has been a really good revenue source for me. And it's just crazy to me that like a year ago I had nothing. And now it's like so it's everything's going so well. So That's really exciting. But I am, like I said, I am trying to find something more scalable. So whether that be guidebook to New York or an app about New York, I definitely know it has to be about New York because that's the majority of my audience Mm -hmm. focuses on New York. So that's kind of what's like currently going on in my life. That's so exciting, Sarah. Well, I'm sure you're going to be able to figure that out. I feel like as you go, you're still learning and then your audience will also tell you what they want. 
right? Exactly. So now if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on, well, sarahfunky.com is my website and that has links to all of my other things. So I think that that is the, that's like the, the big one is just go to the website. But if you like videos, just skip that and go straight to the YouTube <laughs> channel, which is Sarah Funk. That's my name. Oh. Funky, like Funky Town. <laughs> it's an awesome <laughs> name. Actually fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. It was so much fun to talk to you again. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sarah. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to start a successful YouTube channel that you can monetize. Hey, Offbeat family. I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.